So I keep wandering and eventually there was a, a woman, um, a, a police officer who was standing next to her truck and she had a, she had a, you know, assault rifle on her and she was like all she geared up. She looked super welcoming. Yeah. She's super geared up. And I just walked over and I was like, good evening. Um, so sorry. I am lost. <laughs> And this light up for no no fear. And this woman uh, puts me in the back of the truck <laughs> and starts driving. And I swear to God, I just grabbed the, the bars on top and I'm riding it like it was a rodeo. And she uh, took me to get tacos. She stopped at a taco stand. There was this woman making tacos on the side of the road. And she took me to get tacos and I got tacos. And um, I got back in the back of the truck and she took me to the center of town again, which... <laughs> Still lost. Welcome to So This One Shift, a conversational series brought to you by Decoding Cocktails, featuring people from around the drinks and hospitality industry, sharing stories with a friend, colleague, or acquaintance. With any luck, we'll get to listen in on some hilarious and heartwarming tales, along with the moments that shape our lives and work. Learn more about the show, our guests, how to submit your own conversation, and subscribe at SoThisOneShift.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to uh, what's going to be the final episode of So This One Shift. We made it to the end and uh, saved a good one for you. Today, you're going to get to hear from two very good friends, one being a familiar voice if you've listened all the way through, Keo O'Brien of Spearbomb and Daniel Warlow of Chirot Liqueur. Uh, again, a big thank you to Kiowa uh, when I first kind of pitched her on this idea probably back in April or May of this year. Um, she asked to learn more, and, and here we are, and she helped bring it to life. And so with that, uh, she managed to sneak her way into the room uh, for a second time as she and I were kind of really helping drive a lot of the people who came in. Uh, in this conversation, you're going to get to hear Kiowa and Daniel talk about the early days of their friendship how Kiowa learned on the fly what Australia Day is. Uh, Daniel will share a fateful lesson about sunscreen. Uh, you already probably got to hear a little bit, but you'll get to hear a little bit more about late night hitchhiking in Mexico. Uh, the things that they enjoy partaking in when they're not having super high-end cocktails, spirits, wines, etc. The things that, that just make them happy anywhere. You're going to get to hear them wax philosophically about uh, how big of a box uh, boxed wine you can acquire, and stepping back to reflect on, uh, and as someone who's a later comer to this industry, uh, why this industry really is a bunch of real jobs as opposed to just something that are holdover. Uh, you can find Daniel on Instagram at the Warlow. Uh, Warlow is W A R R I L O W, and Kiwa is at Rum R H U M Muffin. Thanks again for listening in on this series, everyone. We'll see you soon. Oh, it's hot already. Didn't tell me hot, Mike, before. <laughs> okay. if, it, if it helps, if the six inches part didn't make it, so... Uh, uh, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, that's bad. That was bad. I just had to. Hey, too much fun's being had. Okay. Um, super glad I had that tea punch already. <laughs> this is gonna go swimmingly. Uh, just like Martinique. <laughs> oh, well, you just <laughs> fucked yourself on that story. Okay. Um, 
Kiwa, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, okay. Uh, hello. My name is Kiwa Bryan. Uh, I am the National On Trade and Marketing Director for Spearbomb USA, which is a portfolio of fine rums from Martinique and St. Lucia, as well as some wonderful spirits from France, including Hardy Cognac and Joseph Cartron Liqueurs. Uh, Daniel Warlow, also mm. known as the Warlow, because <laughs> at Tales of the Cocktail, we're only going to address each other in our Instagram handles. <sighs> My apologies. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't use rum muffin. I've already messed it up. Yeah, you already did. Uh, can you uh, tell us about yourself? Yes. Hi. My name is Daniel Warlow. Um, I'm the national account manager for Chereau Allo Liqueur. Uh, we're based out of California, Santa Barbara, to be correct. Beautiful place if you've never been. Um, Where are you based out of? I'm based in Dallas. Texas. That's where I live. It's where I reside now. It's just been over a year. Quite a bit of change coming from Los Angeles. Um, but Chiro, we're, we're based in California. So we make all of our product in, in California with all California made products. Um, and we know each other from Los Angeles because I live in Los Angeles and uh, we worked together at Soho House. I think it was in passing. I, ca- I have yeah, the same story with Kappa Ferry. Yeah, we never worked his together. His first day was my last. Yeah, we never worked together, but we knew each other from Soho House, which we both worked at in West Hollywood. I it, opened Soho House uh, in 2010, 10? I believe. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think the training was in 2009, and then we opened in 2010. Um, and you started there? In August of 2010. Okay. I didn't last long there, so. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, which Chris, is why you should ev- probably cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in Los Angeles has worked there. That's for sure. Yeah. But it's like a shared love hate. Like we're all, you know, like with any opening. Yeah. Except- I made my best friends there. Um, but Same. Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. Most a lot of history. You being one of them. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Um, luckily, we've had a lot of time as friends to get to know each other, which is good because then uh, it makes things like this easier. And then the stories are a lot better. That's true. Which I like. Which I think is the point of this. I think this so. whole adventure, podcasting adventure. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, uh, you know what? Do you want to? Do you want to ask me a question? I'll let you go first, and then sure. I will. Uh, we'll go after that. Yeah, this sounds like a good one. Uh, <laughs> is there a job or a shift that came closest to breaking you? Oof. Well, um, if it wasn't Soho House, no, I'm just <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I want to put a little context on that. I think um, job or shift, I'm going to just say that as a, as a whole, uh, bartending itself never uh, came close to breaking me, but one shift as a bartender did. And that was, um, I was working in Los Angeles at Normandy Club. Uh, we had just opened and uh, maybe it had been about a year since it was open, and we had a new bar back, and it was a, a weekday. I think it was like a Tuesday, so we, we weren't normally very busy on Tuesdays, and and so it was just myself and this new bar back, and uh, the GM had to run an errand, and so uh, the night started off pretty easy, but it was one of those things where I realized that the bar back um, didn't know what glassware was called. You know, like if I was like, this is a rocks glass, this is a coupe glass. He had no idea what they were called. So that's about how new he was to the world. And so um, little by little, I would say things to him as I'm working. And I'd be like, hey, uh, can you get a, can you go get, you know, more coupe glasses? 
And he'd be like, yeah, coupe costs. Okay, yeah, totally. Let like, me Google this in the back. Yeah, just very, like any bartender does, right? And so with any recipe. And so he um, leaves to find coupe glasses. And apparently uh, down the street at the time, there was a, a bar, uh, Break Room 86, that Wiseman was running at the time. And she had just had an event there, an industry event. So as soon as it finished, everybody came to Normandy Club, which is a Perfect. block away. Which... I'm I'm pretty grateful for because at that point, you know, they're they're friends of yours, so it's not such a big deal. But it is a hot mess when like fifty people walk in the bar and it's just you. And at this point, I'm just you know, you're just doing everything you can. I'm just trying to hand out high lifes to people. I'm just doing whatever. Um and you know, at least six people asked me what my daiquiri specs are, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just sitting there and I'm like just trying to keep my head above water. And at one point I'm like, where it's the bar pack. <laughs> it's been like an hour and a half. So the GM comes back and it's now like one in the morning and the GM comes back and I had the entire bar was filled with dirty glasses because I didn't even have time to wash it because we didn't have a sink behind the bar. There was a dishwasher in the back. So he comes back. He's like, what is going on? I was like, dude, I need you to wash dishes real quick. And so he's doing that. We're making it all happen. It's all good. Two in the morning, we close down. He's like, Where, where'd the bar back go? I was like, to find coupe glasses. <laughs> and he's still gone. <laughs> Funny story, he did not return Ever? for two weeks when it was a shift that I was working. He walked in and asked for his tips. For that shift? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Nope. Sorry, guy. Yeah. Just chalk it up to lesson learned. Interesting. And I was very frustrated because, you know, in the moment, especially if they're peers of yours in the industry and you 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 know you want people to, to feel the hospitality that you want to give people and you can't. And it's like those things that, you know, for the next six nights, my nightmares were about that. Six months, let's be honest. Um, well, we all have those. I mean, I haven't bartended in eight years and I still have those nightmares <laughs> where I'm like in my bed and there's just like people all around me and they just are shouting drinks at me. I don't know if you have those same nightmares, but like they're. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't know if any like bartender does not have those nightmares, but I still have them eight years later. Um, I have I have one. I'm going to I'm going to Go also it. answer this own question of mine. Um, I mean, I have two, but one, there, there's been a couple jobs that I quit in a, in a fit of rage, which is not a good look, uh, for anybody, but, um, one being Lexington social house. I don't think we know each other then. That we was didn't, before but I, I was Soho aware, house. Yeah. Um, and we did a media preview for 500 people and we only had fi 50 glasses for that. So we just had to pour batch cocktails into people's mouth. Um, <laughs> good old small media preview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we got great reviews. I wouldn't know because I walked out and never came back. <laughs> but um, uh, no, uh, it was uh, Evely is is also, you know, my you were working at BLT, right? Yeah. Uh, right next to Evely. Yep. Uh, after uh, I, I, you know, we both worked at Soho House. You worked at Soho House after BLT and I worked at Evely after Soho House. So that's where. Yeah. We kind of, uh, it, they're all, they're all right next to each other on that sunset strip. So, um, uh, there, so the Evely in Los Angeles is a, uh, is an Australian restaurant. I mean, just the owners are Australian. Uh, we get the, a large Australian or we had a large Australian, um, uh, consumer base that came in there. Uh, you know, there was like a, there's like a Facebook group, Australia to Los Angeles. And, um, they talked about Evely a lot. So there was a lot of Australians in there all the time. 
uh, there's this thing in Australia called Australia Day. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is a huge holiday. Um, <laughs> but, you know, nobody chose to tol- tell us Americans that it was a thing that existed at this bar that all of the Australians came into. And my first experience with Australia Day, I was just like coming in to work my regular brunch shift. I loved the brunches there. You actually worked one brunch shift at Evely? Yeah, it was more like a training shift. Was it was it, it was one two, shift? It was two. two shifts? Yeah. Okay, perfect. I still haven't received my check. <laughs> um, well, you know, For maybe a story of that bar back. <laughs> um, no, so uh, I walked in to prep for my regular, you know, brunch shift, Saturday brunch. And uh, as the doors opened at 10 o'clock, there was a line of like 150 people. And, you know, I'm by myself. It's a t- traditional Saturday brunch <laughs> as what I was thinking what I was told and by the way I'm sure it was a clopin like I closed Friday and was opening Saturday eight in the morning at 10 o'clock the doors open and there's just like a line out the door and I specifically remember going through like four kegs of scrimshaw pilsner before two in the afternoon and making like a hundred and no more than that probably 250 300 vodka lime sodas before like one in the afternoon and uh by myself and at some point like I, I I didn't have time to like tell anybody to come in but I was just like yelling at the managers like somebody else needs to come into this shift like this is I, I can't do this by myself and then in the, I just like went in the stairwell and started crying at one point and like drank a glass of water because I didn't have time to do anything and uh, like I didn't have time to drink water until until you know like three in the afternoon I went in the in the stairwell when my relief came and like cried in the stairwell drank a glass of water and um and then it was so busy I couldn't leave until like 9 p.m. My shift was supposed to be over at two, but um yeah. So I learned the hard way that Australia Day exists, and from then on out, working at the Evely, I always made sure that we were fully staffed on that day of the calendar year because I was not let you know into that <laughs> into that knowledge. I was not privy to that knowledge beforehand. So well, I'll be honest with you. I I think it's like at least they're Australians celebrating. Australia Day, you know, whereas like in America, we have like 27 things that we go too hard on that aren't even American, which is, you know, just off the top of your head, just start, you know, St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, like we're all just like, right. And they're not like trying to order. It's not like the Australian cocktails, like a Poos Cafe. It's (laughs) like a vodka lime soda and and pills, Scrimshaw Pilsner. I'm like, okay, I can, I can, I can roll with that. Now that I think about it, it's shocking you guys didn't have Cooper's. No, we did. We had it oh, in the bottle. Roll okay. it on the bottle. Yeah, roll it. You know. Which, but imagine like, if you had to roll a bunch of those. That'd be horrible. No, I mean, I, I, I did. But the most of the time, people just wanted what was ever on draft that was a lager. So. Wow. And, uh, yeah, there, there's another one, but it escapes me. It wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't a... Uh, Cooper's? No, the other Australian beer. Foster's? Uh, yes. Australian for beer? Yes, that's the one. On, we, all, we all know it's Australian for beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, ask okay. me a question. All right, let me ask you a question. Um, I, I, you know, I think my favorite one here is, um, what are you most, what are you proudest of most in your life? Most proud in your life. I don't know what I'm saying here. Uh, I mean, I, I catch your drift, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Our friendship. Oh, that's that's too good. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh wow, you really got me there. No, that was that was not true. Somebody's um, done media training. <laughs> uh uh I, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um in my in my career, uh I 
I do like to take a bit of credit for bartenders knowing what a tea punch is. I feel like it's a weird level of um, measuring your success. But when I first started, uh, you know, trying to talk about rum agricole with bartenders nine years ago, uh, I would say one in every 200 bartenders knew what a tea punch was. I remember like we were in Dallas at Speed Rack a million years ago Mm -hmm. and we went to black swan after after and um and gabe served us and um i ordered like three tea punches uh and by the way no offense to gabe not knowing what a tea punch was like 12 years ago or it was probably the first year of speed rack so 11 years ago um but you know uh he 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 was like yeah whatever I, i um Rum jam on the rocks with a little bit of lime and a little bit of sugar. Um, and, you know, he's like, oh, so like kind of an old fashioned. Yes, exactly. And then he rang us up for three Gatorades. And I was like, <laughs> I love this. This is my favorite thing ever. Um, Shout out to Gabe. He's opening a new bar, St. Valentine. Very excited. Uh, I brought my Black Swan shirt with me that you got really? me for Christmas one year. Okay, I think right. it's like a Star Wars-y situation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. fair. They, he's got an event Thursday night at Monteleon. Dope. Dope. Um, yeah, one of my favorite bar experiences, that Gatorade tea punch uh, situation. <laughs> like, um, I don't know how to ring up a tea punch. <laughs> Actually, my favorite tea punch story, and I'm sorry to sidetrack you here because um, I know we were talking about a proud moment in your life, but it does have to do with tea punch. Um, when you did the tea punch competition and it was the year that uh, Paul and I helped you, I was like me, Paul, Chris Amaral, and Chris Day? Or was it just Chris Day? Oh, yeah. And we were helping you recreate the drinks so that you could judge them. Yeah. And we were looking at the list and it was like, huh, half of these have tea in them. So <laughs> <laughs> you've you've come a long way. I just yeah. put that out. No, there. I mean, there's still a lot of TEA <clears throat> punches out there right, that sure. people think are clever. And I'm like, oh, guys, like this has been done before. But <laughs> uh, while we're talking about tea punch stories, I have a great tea punch story that you're not going to appreciate me tell. I knew it. Um, uh, so... Daniel and I have been to Martinique before. Actually, we went to Havana in 2015 together. Uh, 2015? Yeah. Uh, On a a remarkable trip. Um, It was really, really amazing. Got to see Havana Club. Um, You know, it was was, uh, before it was easy to get visas for Americans. I know it's not easy anymore, but it was before, before. And... um, yeah, it was really special. And then on the way home, wait, we went to Martinique. The other way around. We went to Martinique first. We went to Martinique first. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, we went to Martinique and uh, I brought I brought Warlow to Martinique uh, and we experienced Rum JM, Rum Clement with my boss who uh, is Ben Jones. He's known as the tall man. Um, and, or what are the wind socks oh i forget what those are called those things that are in front of the gas stations his limbs are just way too long for for his body yeah if anyone finds his wallet um, (laughs) reach out he's still looking yeah we'll we'll talk about day one of tales tales (laughs) after this um but yeah so we had an epic epic week five five days in martinique visiting the distilleries going to the beach hiking uh mount pele like all these cool things um and then the you know we went on a catamaran for a full day and then like uh, which by the way um anyone out there 
put sunscreen on the top of your feet. Well, and that's kind of ruining the punchline of the story Uh-oh. because uh, the last day we went to Les Salines, which is like the most beautiful beach in Martinique. And um, the cool thing, in it, one of nine million cool things in Martinique is that uh, any uh, if you're 50 meters from the shore, it's all public property and you can like sell whatever you want. So like people just roll up to the beach selling tea punches and um you know like little street food vendors and whatnot and so ben went to get a sea punch and like some akra which is uh like a cod fritter and it's like the best pairing ever it soaks up the 110 proof tea punch which you never put ice in in martinique or unless you want to get yelled at um and brings back tea punch and akra to us at the beach and warlow is just like defeated and not excited about it and he's just like I just don't want another tea punch on another beach. I want to go home. <laughs> it, just, it just makes me sound like, just like, oh, guys, I just can't handle this anymore. There's just too many beautiful beaches and too it's much. Too much paradise. Yeah. It was just. Okay. So the reason I say the thing about the top of the feet, though, yeah, is we were on the catamaran and uh, I didn't put sunscreen on the top of my feet. I did a pretty good job everywhere else. I was pretty sunburnt, but. On the top of my feet, not one single drop of sunscreen. And the next day, my feet were purple. The top of my feet were purple. And they're normally white, for everybody who doesn't know. And so I am literally sitting there looking at my feet like, they're going to fall off. And then, you know when you have a sunburn, you touch it, and it's like... In the hot sand. Yeah, and it's like kind of, or, or you know, just feels a little sore. No feeling at all. Went numb. <laughs> I forgot about that. So yeah. I legitimately thought I had immediate melanoma, but it actually was fine. You're recovered. Totally recovered, but I you also... You can feel your feet now. Yeah, but I, I sunscreen it up. Let me tell you. Yeah, so word to the wise, learn from Warlow's uh, mistake and put sunscreen on... It's not just on your nose. You should also put it heavily on your <laughs> tops of your feet. They're like And flat. your ears. Tops of ears. Yeah. That's a that's a big spot for it, too. You know, I feel like I have a lot of life lessons for people, things not to do. Which yeah. is, I wish, there's some people that are the advice givers of things to do. Yeah. I think they're both equally as important. I agree. Yeah. Learn from our mistakes. Right. I mean, we're we're veterans at making mistakes. So, yeah. what this is, we I, I, I don't even know. I think this is my 10th or 11th tales, but I was trying to figure it out the other day. I think I it's know. my 10th. Yeah. Because this was uh, 10 years ago is when I started working for Altos, and I started right after Tales in 2013. Because I left Son of a Gun. Heard. That was, um, that was a good one. That's where I got uh, indoctrinated into Smith & Cross daiquiris. Yeah, such a good time. Um, tell me about your most proud moment in the industry. Um, you know... Uh, I, I would equally say uh, your friendship and not in a jokingly oh, okay. way, but but th- I'm I'm just gonna say like I, I don't think it's and this isn't um, it's not just you, but there are very there are super high quality people in this industry that I am super proud that they would call me a friend because I look up to them as like mentors. You being one of them for sure in every way, not just in what you do for work, but as an individual. And I think in a a world filled with questionable individuals with questionable character. Um, you, um, amongst um, some other really good friends that we share, are are not, and that's that's really great. Um, so that's on a personal note, but also tangentially in the industry. Um, 
from a, a work perspective, uh, th there's a lot, you know, I'm, I'm just proud that I've been able to do something in this industry um, with, you know, I never went to college. I'm now finally in college for the first time. Both 40, of us. Yeah. High five. Yeah, high five. Um, at, at 40, in the 40 plus club in, the, yeah. in college for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. We're doing it. Um, does make me feel really old. But um, not having had a degree, but coming from, you know, being a, uh, I was a busser. I bartended. I worked my way up and I feel like it's not just me you know, that's, there were a bunch of other people that helped me along the way. And I think that that's a, a, a case study for anyone that wants to get into the industry. It's like, listen, I, I worked all the way up into these big companies that required college degrees. And for some reason they were like, well, you have all this experience. You have a big network of people. You're obviously able to do the job. Um, so I'm just proud that I was able to do the work and they let me work. Um, I always think that that's about to end at any moment. So obviously, no. I mean this 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 industry is very. Um, I mean it's ever changing, but it's very giving. Like it gives us a lot. Um, I mean it takes a lot. You know when you're behind a bar and you're giving yourself every day, but it's also very rewarding. And yeah, like you said. Yeah, and those. It's funny that you know we share a similar background in in our our work and what we do and how, how we've transitioned over time. But I think, um, there's a lot of people out there that try to get over the hard stuff quick. You know, they try to, what's that funny meme where it's like, there's a guy and he's trying to get up the stairs, you know, he's got oh. like one foot, five <laughs> one stairs foot. up. Yeah. And it's like just trying to skip over a bunch of stuff. And it's like, you know, uh, and I've learned this, you know, uh, in my life this year and every year that there are things that you go through and it's not until after you're done with them that you're you actually hopefully glean a bit of insight and you're like okay this is why that happened and now I have that you know and underneath me to like propel me forward which I don't think people take enough time to appreciate yeah I mean I I, I wish that um you know when I was young and a little arrogant like I, I realize I realize now that the older that I get, the less that I know and the more I want to absorb that information. I used to kind of think I knew everything. And um, yeah, now now I just am like a sponge for all the information. And I, I know that um, I know that I know just a, like a fraction of uh, of the information that's out there. And it makes me eager to just, you know, like you're doing going to school um, for for wine um i'm going to school for history like to to understand why spirits came kind came into history and to understand like the minutiae of of wine and um i think it's uh it's kind of i would never would have done that when i was college age i you know oh, like i actively ran in the other direction yeah yeah <laughs> to same. bartending oddly enough <laughs> same same i mean i was like oh i can i can make money instead of making loans and I don't know what I want to do anyway. Great. Perfect. Well, you know what we did? We waited until we got in our forties to get the loans, <laughs> which is great. Cause by the time I need to pay it back, I won't be around anymore. Um, <laughs> no, but I think that's a good point. It's, um, and sometimes you're faced with, you know, it's, you only have a certain amount of choices at some point in your life, you know, yeah. like I, I had two choices. It was like, go to school and take out loans or start working. And that's, I'm glad that I did. I wouldn't change any of it. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's also fortunate to be able to be like working a 
grown up job while paying your loans, which I think a lot of people don't have the luxury to have, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I think one of the interesting questions that, uh, people often ask about the industry and about bartenders is like, what would you tell normal people about the industry? And I'd be like, it's a real job. And not only is it a real job, it's a real career path that can, whether or not you are, you know, remain a bartender, or if you move on from that, even as bartenders, like we've been all over the world, you know, we've traveled, we've seen, um, seen everything. And, and just from, from our industry, you, I've gained so much insight into the world and into culture and into so much, you know, and I think I wouldn't have had that had I not chosen that path. And I'm glad that I did. I'm glad I chose every part of it, even the hard stuff. Yeah. I mean, it molds, it molds who you are. And, um, I, I know it's not like traditional to, kind of do things backwards and um I mean you know go to school at this age after you've already established a career is kind of like the reverse of what's expected but um you know I I I think I think it works uh depending on the person and um especially in America where schools are so expensive um yeah to, to spend all that money when you're 18 and you don't exactly know what to do. I mean, it's perfect for some people, but I think, I think it's, it's cool that it's uh, accepted and um, I'm not the only 40 year old in any of my classes, which is pretty dope. Yeah, true. Although it is, it is funny to be that old in your class because like, you know, a lot of the, all of my stuff's online. And so, um, you know, we have these like introductory comment boards where we like tell each other about each other just to, hey, you're in this yeah, class yeah. with this person, even though you're never going to see them on camera because nobody turns on camera on anymore. Um, it's funny to read through it. And I'm like, okay, wow, I will not be turning on my camera because <laughs> these people are too young and they're going to be like, dad is here. Uh, I mean, I would say less than 5% are in their 40s or yeah. whatnot. But, you know, there is, I'm not the only one. So, like, I, I mean, I don't know. It makes me feel a little bit better. Well, I also, I am there are a you know of the average age for my classes are in their 30s because i'm studying winemaking so it's you kind of have to at least well, good have some hey, thank <laughs> you i'm very excited um but uh, you know it's a it's something that i think i wouldn't have even had the idea like when i was 21 i didn't even know, you know i thought there were three types of white wine pinot grigio chardonnay and white Zinfandel it's not even white you know what I mean like I had no idea what wine was so it takes a bit of time and appreciation to get in that but yeah um I I'm gonna go off script here okay um you just you just reminded me when you were talking about three types of white wine and um so I was gonna ask you what is your I guess you could say guilty pleasure but what is like the thing that you enjoy the most even though we're in this like you know, craft cocktail, elite cocktail scene, whatever you want to call it. But like, what do you enjoy most? What's your comfort thing that might not be? That's at least bougie as possible. Beverage? Just food. Anything, anything in the hospitality space. Oh, oh, in the hospitality like, space. Like a oh. crappy chain restaurant oh, or you, you know, I, a, a beverage or. It's a combination of those things. Yeah, for sure. perfect. Um, there is uh, something as a young uh, individual in the in the bartending world, especially in the craft world, where you just like just poo poo on like chain restaurants and all that stuff. I if I find a Houston's, I will roll up and drink at least two glasses of Chardonnay 
and just have an impeccable service. Like they're just so well trained and it's like the same and it's consistent. The food is great. Their ribs are awesome. Big fan. Shout out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, guilty pleasure at this point is just something that makes you feel comfortable. And uh, for some reason, a nice cold glass of Chardonnay gets me every time. Did you, I mean, you, you picked my answer. That's, that's my, what you I, know, that's, that's my answer, But that's right? my answer. I can't, <laughs> we can't help it that we have the same answer. Uh, oh, no, I mean, I, cool. I mean, what's your all, answer? Uh, I mean, it is a, a Chardonnay. I'll is drink a Chardonnay, no, a Chardonnay oh. in general. Oh, I'll just, drink okay. a Chardonnay at any, out of any type of vessel. It can be plastic. <laughs> it could be directly into my mouth. It could be out of the bottle. It could be yellowtail. I I mean, just don't. I I, I mean, if I if I don't see the yellowtail, it's probably better. No offense to yellowtail, but um, I'm drinking it uh in any dive bar at any. I mean, I just got. I just had uh coops for dinner, and they have Kendall Jackson, which you know, oh, bougie. is uh super bougie. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure of choice. I mean, listen, also there's no shame i think uh that's kind of the point of the conversation like i um during covid you know before we knew what covid was i like went to the store and i got like you know a case of nice wine because i was about to have a two-week vacation right and got some like nice same, meat same. and cheese so i was like oh cool this got is some like, natty wine yeah 20 30 bottles of wine no big deal yeah. you know about a month in i'm like how many awards does this boxed wine have fantastic <laughs> that's the one i want more awards what is the largest uh, box wine <laughs> format that's legal in the U.S.? I think it's 175. Uh, I, I think, and I know that because I kept trying to buy the largest ones. Is it larger I than think that? It's th- I think it's three liters. Okay. It's booze that's 1.75. Yeah, that sounds about right. In, in or, America, we can't do more than 175 in, in liquor. I don't, know, I don't know that three liters is the largest. It could be larger. I don't know. But it's, it's quite a bit. I know because I've, I've purchased a lot of it. I mean, the, the, the per ounce cost is probably much oh, more effective in the it's large format box size. It's incredible. So, yeah. No, same, 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 same. Uh, I mean, KJ and uh, KC got me through the pandemic for sure. Okay, but he, to be fair, and this is uh, just a, I'm not trying to like make up for everyone who just like thinks that we're, you know, our quality levels so low. I've also been fortunate enough to have like some of the finest things in the world, especially I was a sommelier for years. I drank like some of the most expensive wine. That's fine too. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I will drink anything. Maybe, right. Maybe that's even worse that I just said that. <laughs> but you know, we're, we're also, we're also on a budget. Uh, you know, we're not doctors over here, but, um, but it's real clear. So yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I, most I did of, buy most... a house when I was 24. So there you go. Really worked backwards. And also, usually the booze is free. So okay. That's true. That's true. Um, and we probably both have like uh, over 100 bottles of booze in our house, and yet we're still buying boxed wine. <laughs> well, it just, you, booze is, I, it's I think, hard to drink I think at as home. you get it's older, just... too, it's like, I, I don't, I don't go as hard as I used to. I'm saying that it's the first day of tales. Yeah. And so let's check back tomorrow. Right. I, I hopefully I have my wallet. It's but. also like it's also like if you're a chef, I imagine like I don't want to make cocktails at home. I made cocktails for nine hours a day, five days a week for 16 years. Like I even though it's been a few years, I it's like it's not like something I'm trying to do every night. Like once in a while, I'll make a cocktail. But totally. like yeah. I, I just I don't, I don't want to dirty my kitchen and I don't have a simple syrup on 
on in my you know i don't i don't have like a batch negroni in my fridge Man. or like a frozen mar- I, i'm you, really i'm really simple syrup over stuff here. is it's too much for it's me it's so hard it's so sticky <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, interesting well um Kiwa, we got to meet todd richmond for lunch all right heard you want to go one more yeah let's go one more okay uh is it my turn i'll let you go all right is it your turn doesn't matter to me let's just both answer uh don't do it don't do it what shit in the street (laughs) oh my god um uh okay you know what let's do it most epic night out but i'm not doing that story okay uh Kiwa, what is your most epic night out epic night out um should we should, should there be a disclaimer of like enjoy responsibly ahead of this or i don't know okay. I, I i'm trying to think if it would be like my most epic night out or like epic night behind a bar um do we have a group do we have a do we have a collective I, night together? oh it was it was definitely that first trip to mexico yeah. But we don't need to go through the whole thing. Okay. You know what? I think um uh, yeah, that trip with the I mean, so Daniel and I have been to Mexico uh together on many occasions. Yes. Three, four? Yeah. Five? A few. Something like that. No less than three times. Correct. Probably four or five. Um, specifically to Guadalajara and uh, to Tequila, um, there was there was a there was the, yeah we definitely need a disclaimer of drink responsibility. Yeah, I could probably just <laughs> tell you the I'll tell you the short version of it. How about uh, that? No, but I mean you know there's just like uh, there could be more food at every uh, at every industry event. I feel like there could be more food. You know what? I I have an idea. Yeah, we can turn it into a warning of sorts. You know, it's like this is this what is... you shouldn't do. Like all of my other stories. Right, right, right. Don't do this when it, you go to Mexico. And most importantly, this was this was a long time ago. Yes, uh, this so, was over ten years ago. Yeah, over a decade ago. Yeah, over a decade ago, and this was you know I'm not going to mention any brands, but it was a very popular you know industry tequila brand that it's usually out of stock. Yeah, that people <laughs> you know would take people to Tequila Town, and so. It was just very exciting. It was my first trip to Mexico. Yeah. I had never been, and I was really excited. Uh, yeah, we we uh, had some tequila and a coffee at the airport, and we had they bring you to this beautiful little hotel in La Capaque, and they have five dollar uh, añejo shots of this not to be mentioned tequila brand that is always out of stock. Um, and you know, uh, so we're just drinking, we're just, and, and we, I, I personally, and had, I'm like with one of my best, my best friends going to Mexico, we're like having a great we're time, having we, so much fun. We literally don't get to spend this much time together because we were both working so much. I had just opened a restaurant. You were at Evelie all the time, right? And so it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, we've got three days of just do whatever you want, which we didn't get a lot of. So it was it was cut loose time, which I think is totally appropriate, and everyone should do that. But you know, mind your surroundings. Uh, this is also a, you know, an example of how to be respectful of other people's culture. Um, exactly. Uh, and then we went to Tequila Town, and Tequila Town is just so adorable and wonderful, and you can walk to all the distilleries, and it's amazing. And we went to La Capilla, and you know, had 
Batangas and with uh, yeah with Don Javier with Don Javier um, that he stirs with a rusty knife and or stirred uh, R.I.P. which is like still to this day I I go back and look at those photos in my uh, in my phone they're actually not in my phone they're on my Instagram because (laughs) (laughs) there's no there was no I don't think there was a cloud then there There wasn't even a cloud back then so like I go back to like my Instagram and my Facebook and I look at those pictures because that's like such a, a unique and amazing experience that like so many people are never going to be able to have now. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was really beautiful. Um, but we neglected to eat. Um, and, uh, and I think we both, uh, let's call it fell asleep at like 8 PM, uh, yeah. like, uh, the first night that we were there. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is more of a UFX story that yeah. I, I brought up, but yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can, you can give an, a bridge version. Yeah, I'll do an abridged version. So we, um, you know, we were all staying in town. Town is very small. If you've never been to Tequila Town, maybe I'll I'll send Chris uh, some photos of of us on the bus that night. Maybe yeah, not. Do that. That's cool. Um, yeah. So uh, we're all staying in town, but a couple we're split in a couple different hotel rooms. And so I had gotten my hotel assignment, and uh, the the party was starting, and I had needed a nap. So. Went straight to my hotel, went to sleep, and there was another bartender from L.A. who was staying with us. And so when he came back to the hotel, and he was staying in my room, we were sharing rooms, and he got in, and I woke up thinking it was morning because I heard, like, rustling. And so I got up, and I go in the bathroom, and, like, washing my face, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm just, I feel so refreshed. This is crazy. I was like, this is great. Maybe I'll just go out, get some coffee, you know, get the day started. And so I um, I walk out the door uh, and I realized that it's nighttime still. And so thought about it later on and I probably had slept for about three hours. And so I start walking around the streets. and I'm like, well, it's nighttime. Um, what do I do now? And I, I hear this music playing in the distance. And so I decided to walk down the street into this bar and it's just a bunch of people partying, having a great time. Uh, not one single American was in there. So I was just like, I'm just going to go meet some people. And I'm talking to people. Uh, at this point, it was my first time in Mexico. I knew very little Spanish, whatever you can kind of pick up in a restaurant. Um, and so we just, you know, we were just hanging out, having a good time. Uh, left there and I started looking for the hotel room and I forgot where I was staying. So... <laughs> I'm walking around now just But you had a key, right? I had a key. It was a little barrel. Yeah, which doesn't... And it had like some words on it and I'm, you know, a number. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what this is. So I'm just walking around trying to figure it out. And at one point I get on this path and I'm literally like walking out of town, like towards back towards Guadalajara. And so um, this is uh, another warning. Don't ever do this but i started hitchhiking and this uh especially in mexico tractor trailer picks me up and um he get i get in and i'm like i am so lost and i am sorry and he was what like time are, what, what do we think this it's like is 3 a.m yeah it's probably about 3 a.m and so he drives me to the center of town well not to the center you can't really get there with a the tractor trailer but close enough that i could walk in so i get there and the other hotel which you guys were staying at was there and i'm like huh this does not help me because it's not my hotel so I keep wandering, and eventually there was a, a woman, um, a, a police officer, 
who was standing next to her truck and she had a she had a you know assault rifle on her and she was like all she geared looked super up. welcoming yeah she's super geared up and i just walked over and i was like good evening um so sorry i am lost <laughs> and this light up for no no fear and this woman uh puts me in the back of the truck and starts driving and i swear to god i just grabbed the the bars on top and i'm riding it like it was a rodeo and she uh took me to get tacos she stopped at a taco stand there was this woman making tacos on the side of the road and she took me to get tacos and i got tacos and um i got back in the back of the truck and she took me to the center of town again which still lost and eventually i start walking down the street and i find this guy and he's um, just sitting in his vestibule. You know, in Mexico, there's a lot of like, you'll have a house, but there'll be like a front porch slash vestibule in front of their house, kind of like a, an entryway. And he's just sitting there and he's drinking some pulque. If you've never had pulque, fresh pulque, it is something. And uh, so he just kind of like gestured if I wanted some. I was like, sure, why not? And so I had some. I was like, man. I am never getting home. You know, it's like the sun <laughs> so is about close, coming up. So and so I, like, sh- I'm like, all I have is this key. And he grabs it and he looks at it and he was like, oh, yeah. And he just like, basically, it was like right around the corner. <laughs> and so I get back to the room and um, I get in there. And my phone is dead. I'm exhausted. And I just like fall down and come to find out that my the roommate that I was staying with was like, what happened to this guy? <sighs> And I like missed, you know, a whole not- half a day because I slept through it. And then it was a whole mess trying to find so, it. So, yeah, the next morning he comes out and he's like, I don't know what the deal is with your friend. But he just got up in the middle of the night and looked outside and said, it's so quiet outside. And then he walked outside. And I don't I, I mean, he didn't come back until uh, in the morning. So anyway, um, yeah. I, I, well, I I'm glad that we shared that epic story of me. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> great. I think you asked the question and uh, and you answered it. Uh, sorry, I deflected. I would say that the the one time that we uh, the first time that my first day on the job ever was Spear Bomb. We threw a party together for bartenders, uh, bartenders New Year's, um, which was maybe the most successful i'm just gonna say it and credit our uh, us but like maybe the most successfully attended bartender event that los angeles has ever had <laughs> it was really good uh well it was also perfect because it was i mean aside from art beyond the glass of course but like art beyond the glass everybody's working and they're behind booths but um in la in la that's like the big event but bartenders uh new year's which is the new year's day like we threw this epic party uh, when Daniel was working for Altos, and I it was my first day with 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 Spirit Bomb for Clement. It was like a three drink menu um, with like an Altos margarita and a and a rum Clement daiquiri on the menu. And I mean, yeah, we had like massages and uh, I don't even remember music. DJ maybe Fernie was DJing. We I think games outdoor. Yeah. We like put those. What's it? Um, or shuffleboard some, some, something it was a game we're, outside we're not good at games yeah um I didn't play any games. but our yeah our i remember like getting my check and being like oh i just blew my whole budget for this job on the for the month on the whole first day am i gonna get fired and i remember like i mean there's 
also not going to be included in the carousel for this uh, podcast a picture of me like that night like i made it to my couch <laughs> and i'm like face planted my dog's just like jumping around me your daniel d- sends your, me that photo like your dog just looked disappointed let's yeah. be honest <laughs> she's super judgy <laughs> she was only like two then too um but yeah sometimes daniel just sends me that photo that i r- regret sending to him um, i mean that my roommate took such um, a good photo yeah yeah i'm glad we're airing all of our irresponsible drinking yeah we should totally podcast. do that on podcasts I think um, exactly yeah talk about things you shouldn't do <laughs> yeah i i remember though your your bill though it was like 147 mar- to, the, he did not drink 147 margaritas we were buying margaritas for all of our friends and daiquiris for all of our friends but yeah i just remember like 147 margaritas was your bill and i was like well that was successful that was a successful I, event honestly it, and successful in multiple ways like the attendance is always a thing with events, right? Like Yeah. In LA especially. It's yeah. like fucking large. Uh, I don't know. Are we spraying on this? We are now. Well, you just did. <laughs> um, I will say, I mean, and this is just a, a bit of advice for people. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there. Yeah. Like show up. You say or... that at Tales of the Cocktail when everybody RSVP'd to every yeah, event and they're going to show up for one. When 10%. someone, especially when someone like I bought a restaurant out one time, a small restaurant in New York City uh, for 35 people. And I think I sent the invite out. I, and this is like after years of doing this job, sent it out to 75 people. Um, 40 said they were coming. So 20, 20 showed up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where that was not a cheap ticket. You right. know? And uh, so it was just, I think it was a big accomplishment just to get everybody there. Yeah. But also it just felt really good. It was it one did. of those events where people were like, happy to be there they were happy that last night was over because it was new year's eve right so they get there and they're like oh this is great we can just relax with friends in the industry and also not a lot of riffraff by that i mean consumers yeah Uh, because it was just all bartenders everybody assumes everywhere's closed on new year's day so it was just all bartenders yeah anyway yeah i think uh i think we got to wrap it up here cool well i'm glad we got to do this same same i will be calling you the warlow from the rest of uh, yes rum muffin yep fantastic Perfect. Cool. Bye, everybody. End scene. Thanks for joining us today. Learn more about the show, our guests from around the industry, how to submit your own conversation, and be sure to subscribe at SoThisOneShift.com. This series is produced by Decoding Cocktails.